right. Uh, we, we started last week, we got this week, and next week we're going to be, uh, we've got subject we were talking about were uh, roads less traveled, and we're going to continue that today. And uh, we're doing two a week, and that's really just being quite a struggle for me, uh, trying to get, you know, uh, probably been doing this too long now because I struggle getting two points in instead of just one. Uh, but we're going to attempt to do that again today and cover uh, two different things. And I want us to pray that the Lord would have his way today. Pray for all of our classes, that the Lord would move and touch in every class today. Let's join together in prayer. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for today. I thank you, Lord, for this opportunity and privilege to be here today. And Lord, I ask you that you would have your way in every single class, Lord. That you would anoint every teacher, that as you've given them words to speak, that they would speak them with your anointing, God. That your word would find its mark today in somebody's heart. Lord, I believe you and trust you for what you want to speak to each person, God. Anoint every ear to hear what you have for them today. And we give you praise and glory for your word and your message, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Last week we, uh, we talked about a couple uh, roads, but we started out not from a verse. I don't know where uh, I read this and it, it caught my attention. Uh, I've heard it before, but it kind of caught my attention and got me thinking uh, along this path. But the poem by Robert Frost, which I'm going to read, <coughs> says, Two roads diverged in a yellow wood, and sorry I could not travel both. In be one traveler long I stood, and looked down one as far as I could, to where it bent in the undergrowth. Then took the other as just as fair, and having perhaps the better claim, because it was grassy and wanted wear, though as for that the passing there had warned them really about the same. And both that morning equally lay, in leaves no step had trod in black. Oh, I kept the first for another day, yet knowing how way leads on to way, I doubted if I should ever come back. I shall be telling this with a sigh, somewhere ages and ages hence, two roads diverged in a wood, and I, I took the one less traveled by, and that has made all the difference. And so I mentioned last week that there's a couple, of course, the... the I took the one last traveled by, that's made all the difference, is probably the most famous part of this whole poem, yet uh, in the the verse before, the stanza before, uh, it was those words, yet knowing how way leads on to way, I doubted if I should ever come back. How that when we take roads uh, in our mind, when we come to a decision point, sometimes in the back of our mind we think, well, I'll just come back if it doesn't work out. However, rarely does it ever work that way. And uh, sometimes you wonder, how did I ever get here? And it's path after path after path. And it's very hard to get back to those decision points and take the other path. Um, And so that's what we're talking about is coming to points in our life. We're coming to, um, uh, if you would, the the proverbial fork in the road where we have to make a decision and we have to choose a path to go on. And again, some of these paths uh, just come our way uh, uh, maybe once in our life. They're not things that we come across every single day, but they happen um, from time to time in our life. And some people may be on these paths, some people may be facing these decisions, but I would venture that all of us would come to these at some point in our life. And last week we talked about uh, the road less traveled, we talked about the road to Moriah, the road of sacrifice and trust, how that God, uh, we, we are faced with moments where we are called to great personal sacrifice. Um, 
and, and there's those moments, and, and we discussed how mountaintops are very difficult to come by without some sort of sacrifice on our part, and how that Abraham trusted God despite the sacrifice. In fact, in the New Testament, it says that he believed that even though he may have to kill his son, that God would raise him from the dead. And so he, he was ready to go through with it. He was ready to fulfill what God had called him to do. And uh, we talked about how knowing the end of the story sometimes spoils it for us because we may face our own Mariah and we go into it thinking, well, God will come through right at the last minute and I won't really have to sacrifice this. I really won't have to do this. But Abraham was past that point and he was ready to do what God had asked him to do. So we talked about that road, the road of sacrifice and trust. We also talked about the road that Jesus walked. Tradition calls it the Via Dolorosa, the road of suffering. How that Jesus walked that road. And, and we didn't take the typical course, but we went to Hebrews uh, chapter 12 and we talked about the joy that was set before him. And we talked about really the road that, ta- that, that we take where it involves suffering for a cause. How that we're willing to suffer for the joy that we're willing to suffer for the end result. And the question is, is when was the last time that we cared enough about something to suffer for it? When was the last time that we gave ourselves completely for something? It wasn't just, well, I'm just doing this uh, because it's what I'm supposed to do. No, doing it for a reason, for the joy that was set before us. Because there's, only, there's a certain joy that comes only when you've made it through the battle, when you've made it through the pain, when you've suffered through it for something that's worthwhile. And today we're going to look at two more, and uh, the first one that I'm going to look at today doesn't have a specific name, it's not a specific road, Uh, neither one of these are, next week they'll have specific names, but today I want to talk first of all about the road in the wilderness, the road in the wilderness. Now in scripture and in life in general when you hear about the wilderness, uh, the wilderness is not an appealing place typically. It is a place that is associated uh, with, with it, it may conjure up images of, of something dry, something thirsty, something parched. Perhaps it has the idea of weariness, sleeplessness. Perhaps it has the idea of endless. The wilderness just seems to stretch on. Uh, perhaps it, 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 it may represent discomfort in trials. And in scripture we find it talked about in that way where it represents discomfort in trials. Uh, the wilderness seems to me to represent a time where encouragement seems to be lacking, a time of distance or a time of absence. And uh, the, the wilderness does not seem like an appealing place. Uh, perhaps if you've watched one of those survival shows, you know, where the guy goes out in the wilderness and a TV crew follows him around and throws him Snickers bars every so often, it seems like you might be able to do that. Uh, you know, survive in the wilderness for a day, and then that night you go stay the night in a hotel, and then early in the morning they bring you back out uh, to, well, anyway, I don't know if that's what really happens, but that's what I'd do. (laughs) But it seems like you could do that, but the wilderness is generally, you know, there's very few people who would just enjoy being in the wilderness, because uh, of all the things that it represents. Even if you uh, enjoy that, 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 that seemingly uh, void, that emptiness, uh, there, there's aloneness in the wilderness. There's solitude in the wilderness, which can be good for a little bit, but every so often uh, you might want to say hi to somebody. But these, all, these are all the ideas that when we say wilderness, this is kind of what it represents, not just physically, but also spiritually as well. And throughout Scripture, we see that the wilderness 
is represented this way too. That the wilderness is not necessarily the funnest, is that a word, the funnest place to be. It's not the amusement park of life. It's not the place that people volunteer to go to. I just want to be in the wilderness. And in fact, we find not just in life, and, and, and as I begin thinking about these, um, I begin to, well, anyway, never mind. I won't tell you what I was thinking because that was just a little weird. But as we look at, the, at these, the wilderness uh, experiences, the road in the wilderness, very often they come after times of a great experience. Very often they come after a great high. We see, and we'll reference uh, some of these several times, but we see that the children of Israel, up until this point, their greatest moment as they leave uh, Egypt and they're laying down with the treasures of Egypt as God has delivered them from slavery, and now they are being given the riches of Egypt, and we find that this is one of their greatest moments, and then where do they end up? The wilderness. We find that after Paul is, has his conversion experience, he ends up in the wilderness. We find that Jesus, after he has been baptized, and then a dove comes down from heaven, and, and, and people, um, they don't see, but the word is revealed of who he is, uh, he finds himself going to the wilderness. We find many times in Scripture where there's moments of, of of a great high, and then people end up in the wilderness. And perhaps you've experienced this in your own life as well. That you've had a great moment in your life, you've had a great uh, spiritual experience, and then it, there seems to be a moment of, 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 of just solitude, of seeming distance, of feeling like you're far from God. And this is the deal with the wilderness. This path into the wilderness can be many people's undoing. And we're not going to get super in-depth about this because we have something else to cover today. But the path into the wilderness can be many people's undoing because they are confused by what is happening in the path to the wilderness. And, and, and there's, there's ways that throughout Scripture you can find how people ended up in the wilderness. Uh, many different ways. But what I'm specifically speaking to this morning, the path of the wilderness, is where you have come to a point of decision. And you feel that God has spoke to you to take this path. And you have followed the voice of God and you have ended up feeling alone. You have ended up feeling distant. I'm not talking about that you ran from things. I'm not talking about that, that you got in this place by yourself. But you have uh, followed the voice of God in your life and here you are in the wilderness and nothing. And I just want to describe for you a little bit about the path of the wilderness and the point of the path in the wilderness. You see, in Scripture, the path, uh, the road that leads into the wilderness, the first of all, it's a place of proving. It's a place of proving. Usually in the high moment, in those moment of, uh, moments of spiritual highs, in those moments when uh, we feel like we can do anything, when we've come off of, you know, great services, or God's really spoke to you, or something's happened, it's in those moments that we make consecrations, that we make commitments, that we make dedications to God. And we've had those moments in our life. Uh, hopefully you've had those moments in your life where, where you, you, know, you felt the presence and power of God move on you and you made commitments to Him. You said, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, I'm going to follow you this way, I'm going to do that. And then all of a sudden, after you felt God so powerfully, after you felt God in such a glorious way, it's like, nothing. Well, I just made a commitment to you. I just, I just said I was going to do this. I just decided that I was going to live for you uh, uh, more fully than I ever have before. And now there seems to be nothing. The wilderness does not mean that God is absent. 
The wilderness is a place of proving. It's a place where God says, okay, I've heard what you said you were going to dedicate. I've heard what you said you were going to consecrate. I've heard what you said you were going to do. Now do it. Now do it. Now see, and, and uh, well, anyway, my mind, I just need to not think. It takes me wrong places. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 18 says this, For not he that commendeth himself is approved, but whom the Lord commendeth. Now, that's just a little short verse there. But wouldn't it be so much easier in life if God would take us at our own word? If God would trust us in what we say? (laughs) But I would venture to say, I don't know about in your life, but I know in my life, the track record of things I said I was going to do compared to what I actually did, it's not quite there. I mean, <laughs> you, I don't know, maybe as you've got older, you don't make the rash commitments as much as you used to, but I know, you know, as a young person, some of the commitments you make to God, and you're like, you know, from this day on, uh, I'm going to quit school and pray every day and all this, you know. <laughs> that was an easy one to make. I did quit school, I just forgot about the prayer, no. But this verse tells us, it's not, that, it's not when you say, well, I'm approved that it counts. It's when God approves you that it counts. And that's what one of the purposes of the wilderness experience is, is God is testing and God is proving what we said we would do or what we say we believe. It has nothing to do with God leaving us. It has to do with God proving us. And that's an important distinction to make because, like I said, many times uh, the wilderness follows a mountaintop experience. You come off the mountaintop and you're like, God's great, God's wonderful, I'm going to do, yeah, whoo-hoo. And then you end up in the wilderness and you don't even, you can't even figure out where God's speaking, if he's speaking, where he went, where he's at. And you think, did God leave me? And then what you do is you begin to doubt what you felt before. Was that really God? Was that the cheese pizza I ate the night before with anchovies on it? Was it this? Was it my own mind? Was it the devil speaking to me? And before long, you end up doing nothing. That's the shortcut out of the wilderness. (laughs) But if you want to make it through the wilderness, you must understand that the wilderness is a proving ground where when you come out of the wilderness, now it's not just your word that God, I said I'm going to do this. No, now the Lord has commended you because you have proven yourself through those times. Again, it would be so much easier if God would just take us out of our word, but but God's not, uh, not as dumb as we think he is. But he wants to prove us or establish us. In fact, there's a, there's a term used in the New Testament. The word is used uh, of money changers. That, that they would, there would be certain coins that were approved. How many have ever uh, uh, seen the USDA stamp of approval on your meat or whatever it is? You know, you don't, <laughs> you, you wanna, you don't want it to be UCDA or something, you know, just barely off. But you want it stamped, you want it approved, you want it tested, you want it tried. In fact, that, that mark, you know, if you, go, if you go buy a car, a lot of uh, uh, dealerships now have for used cars, they've put it through their own rigorous testing that has the stamp of their approval upon it. And so you can trust it. You see, the wilderness is not, about how, is not just about uh, a dry space. No, it's about how much God can trust you in those times. And so the point of the wilderness is so that God can trust me when I come out of it, that I've been approved. And so I need to stick with the path in the wilderness because it's a trying time. It's also a time of reflection and perspective. The road in the wilderness is a time of reflection and perspective. 
You see, we just see the negative so many times of the wilderness. We see the negative, and this kind of goes with the next point of what, as well. It's a time of reflection and perspective. It's a time of separation and quietness. You know, it's really difficult to get quiet nowadays. It's really difficult. It's difficult to find a moment of silence. In fact, most people are uncomfortable with silence nowadays because it's so unusual. <laughs> uh, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a little bit different. I mean, we do live uh, in, in a smaller community here, and, <laughs> and uh, it's, it's still, you know, something that when you hear a, a siren going off, you, you look, like, what's going on? What's happening? Get on WJBD real quick. You see what's going on? Get on the scanner app on your phone. What's going on? I, I mean, I grew up in a city, and, like, you don't, that just happens all the time. There's traffic noise all the time. There's things happening all the time. But even with our, our devices and, and all kinds of stuff, even in your quiet moments, you still hear the buzz of your phone or, or something going on. It's very difficult anymore to just be quiet. But the wilderness spiritually takes us to a place of quiet and alone. And instead of feeling nervous about it, sometimes we need to accept those moments into our life. To reflect on what is going on in our life. To gain perspective of what's happening, we read that Paul, after he had his conversion experience, he went. He didn't. We, uh, scripture uh, gives the idea that Paul uh, had his experience. He got filled with the Holy Ghost and eyes left, and then he went to Jerusalem and he set everybody straight. No, there was a period of three years where it says Paul went into the wilderness. Three years he went to the wilderness, and the point of it was to gain perspective, to reflect, to separate himself, to figure some things out. We know that John the Baptist lived in the wilderness. And of course, he had a completely unique perspective, and part of it was because of his wilderness living. We find that Elijah, after he was having some issues in his life, and he went into the wilderness, and he had a certain idea, but he left the wilderness having gained perspective in the desert. After God had provided for him, he left with a new perspective. We find that Jesus went to the wilderness many times to separate himself from the crowds. The road in the wilderness is something that's necessary for all of us from time to time to gain perspective, to gain separation, and to simply be quiet in the presence of God. As everyone's quiet right now. No one wants to talk. But that is the point of the road of the wilderness. Not only is it a testing, is it a trying time, not only is it God learning to trust us and putting His stamp of approval on us, but instead of reflecting on the negative aspects, when we find ourselves having said, Lord, I'm going to follow you, and then we find ourselves in this place where it just seems there's nothing, perhaps there's a point of why we're there. Perhaps there's a reason that God has brought us there. Perhaps we need a little perspective in our life to see what's really true, what's really right, what's really necessary. Perhaps we need to reflect on what God has done in our life and look inside of ourselves into what God is wanting to do. And lastly, though, the main point that I want to make about the road in the wilderness, and this is, I believe, very necessary for us to understand if we ever want to successfully walk the road of the wilderness and come out whole the way that we should, is the wilderness is a place where things die. Numbers chapter 14, verses 28, 20, 29, these are probably the most famous verses about things dying in the wilderness. 
says, say unto them, this is God speaking to Moses, as truly as I live, saith the Lord, as ye have spoken in mine ears, so will I do to you. Your carcasses shall fall in this wilderness, and all that were numbered of you according to your whole number from twenty years old and upward which have murmured against me. We know that the children of Israel were led into the wilderness by the cloud and by the fire. So God brought them to the wilderness. This is the point now where they have doubted God, where they have rebelled against God. They said that God cannot fulfill His promise. And this is what the Lord says. You're going to keep walking in the wilderness until what needs to die has died. In this case, it was everyone that was 20 years or older. So pretty much all of us. But the wilderness is a place where things die. Let me just say, if you ever find yourself on the wilderness road, perhaps you may be on the road in the wilderness right now. I would submit to you that to leave it successfully, something in you has to die. There's a point. Not only is it just so that God can approve you, but usually in my own life when I've found myself in these moments, where I've found myself walking the path, because I want you to notice too that the Israelites ended up in the wilderness again because they were led there by God. So I'm not saying you've made a dumb choice. I'm saying that you're on the path because you felt God has spoke to you and you've ended up in this spot and now you're wondering, why am I here? Why can't I get out of this place where it feels parched, it feels empty, it feels like I'm far from God? Why can't I get out of this place? I would challenge you that what you need to do is change your prayers and say, God, what needs to die within me? Because the wilderness is a place where things need to die. We find Elijah, when he entered the wilderness, when he, he ran to it, he finds himself there, we find that his false humility had to die. Woe is me, I'm the only one left. We find that Jesus, when he entered the wilderness, he, he had a battle with his flesh, with power, with dominion, of, of what the fleshly desires were, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life. He had to battle those. We find Moses, when he ends up in the wilderness, he's fleeing from pride. You know, he was the deliverer of the Israelites, but before the wilderness, he thought he could deliver the Israelites, as testified by the fact that he killed one of the uh, taskmasters. He thought he could be the deliverer. That had to die in him until he realized, I'm nothing, God, I'm, I can't do it without you. We find that Israel, they entered their wandering years in the wilderness, and they had to stay there until rebellion and doubt died out in their life. I would like to challenge somebody today, but if you find yourself in that spot where you can say, you know what, I associate with the wilderness. I associate, I feel like I've been uh, following the will of God, like I've been doing what I'm supposed to do, and yet there just seems to be a nothingness. There seems to be occasional glimpses of God. There seems to be occasional words from God that drop in, but it seems like no clear direction, no clear anything seems to be happening in my life. I would challenge you today to search yourself, take the time to reflect, gain perspective, pray and say, Lord, what is in there, what is inside of me that needs to die? The wilderness is not the funnest place to be, but it can also be one of the best places to go through in the long run. The road in the wilderness. The next one that I want to talk about today is the road of victory. The road of victory. Throughout Scripture, there's all kinds of victories. There's all kinds of things that happen. From the Old Testament, we see all the, uh, all the battles that Israel had to go through. We see spiritual victories that took place. We see physical victories that took place. And, and they're not all the same. 
Some victories are quick and decisive. Some victories happen just in the moment. We see the Red Sea. Uh, all of a sudden, the pursuers of Israel are just destroyed in one moment. There's other times throughout Israel's history where victory happened without, with, with, sometimes it happened without Israel even doing anything. God just came down and destroyed the enemy. Those are great moments in our lives. Those are moments that, that are, are wonderful. And there's been times in my life when there's been enemies, there's been things I've struggled with, there's been uh, issues I've been dealing with, and there's been a quick and decisive victory in my life. It just happened. I remember one specific uh, uh, time, I had a lot of anger issues in my life, and, and that was dealt with in a quick, decisive victory in my life. I can point to a specific moment, a specific time, where anger was taken from me. It just happened. I don't know why. I, I can't decide why some people have quick, decisive victories, and other times it's a fight and it's a struggle. But there's specific moments that God will come down sometimes, and it'll just happen just like that. And again, I don't know why. I don't know what makes God decide I'm just going to take this from that person. And it can even be the same issue with different people. I'm going to take it from this person, but not from that person. Or this time I'm going to take it from them, but next battle you're just going to have to... I don't know what it is. But the road of victory seems to me, in my mind, the reason I've called... Because the road seems to uh, uh, give us the idea that it's a little bit longer. <laughs> Sometimes it's just like a little step and that's it. God's done it. Sometimes it seems like the road that stretches way out ahead. You can't really see the end of it. Other battles take time, like I said. Other victories take time. But they're both characterized by the same thing on the road to victory. We look at the story of the children of Israel again. We look at one of the, uh, uh, the road of victory that we're going to apply to this is the walls of Jericho. The walls of Jericho. Now... The walls of Jericho is one of those stories that, you know, everyone knows about the walls of Jericho and how they fell down flat. And it's one of those stories, again, we know the end. But put yourself in the story. How ridiculous that is. God, uh, an angel comes to Joshua and tells him they're standing there on the edge of their promise. An angel speaks to Joshua and says, okay, here's, here's, the, here's Jericho and here's what I want you to do. Now, in my mind, I'm sitting at the camp and I'm getting ready for battle. Like, I'm doing push-ups. One or two chin-ups, because I don't like those really good. I'm jogging on the spot, doing high knees. I'm getting ready for battle, because that's what we're going to do. We're going we're gonna to possess the promise. We're going to turn on all the messages you find on YouTube that say, possess the promise. We're going to get ourselves pumped up, fired up, ready to go. We're going to play Eye the Tiger. We're going to do all kinds of stuff. We're ready to go into battle. All right? And Joshua comes back and says, I've got the battle plan, so we're ready to go. Here's how we're going to conquer. Here's vision. Here's all this stuff. God's going to do it. And he says, we're all going to get up. We're going to get up on the first day. We're going to take our stuff, and we're going to, without a sound, walk around the walls of Jericho. All right. Okay, sounds good. So we're going to do a little reconnaissance. We're going to check it out, see what's going on. Now, remember, uh, there, there's roughly, uh, it's, it's tough to get exact numbers uh, it, and whether it was all the people or whatever, but there was minimum probably of 100,000 people that are going to walk around the walls of Jericho, which is about a mile. They're going to walk nine acres. So a mile, 15 minutes with 100,000 people, that's going to take just a little bit. So they get out, they get, they get all their stuff, they're ready to go. We're going to go check it out. And they walk around the walls. Okay, and we'll go back home. Now what do we do? Well, just cook some dinner, go to bed. I don't know, do whatever you want to do. Okay. They get up the next morning, and Joshua says, all right, here we go. Let's go for it. 
All right, here we go, here we go. We're going to walk around the walls real quiet. Okay, this is God's plan. This is your great plan. And for six days they have to do that. This is how they're supposed to get victory, is walk around the walls once for six days. Now, I want you to notice too, because this is, this is the road to victory very often what it looks like. Nothing. Nothing. I've been on the road to victory a few times. <laughs> on the soccer field. No, I'm joking. <laughs> but, you, but you know what I like? I like confirmation. I like to know that what I'm doing is right. So, I'd be walking... Again, this is just me. This isn't from the Bible. This is just me. And I'm sure there was at least one person. There had to be at least one person that said no one and thought like me. There had to be at least one out of 100,000. Walking around the walls and, okay, this is God's plan. Okay, this is God's plan. You know what I'd want? I'd want at least a brick, a pebble, something to move. Because nothing has changed in six days. This is how the battle's going to be won, and nothing is changing. It didn't change the first day, the second day, the third day, fourth day, fifth day, or sixth day. Seventh day, okay, yeah, we're getting, okay. No, hold on. You got to do it seven times. Are you kidding me? Seven miles? Are you kidding me? I quit training. Seven miles. So now we're walking, and still nothing, nothing happens. Here's what the road to victory is characterized by, whether it's immediate or whether it's the road that takes you around the promise six times and on the seventh day seven times. Here's what characterizes the road to victory. Obedience. Obedience. Doing what God said to do. It doesn't matter. It's not, the road to victory is not filled with confirmation. The road to victory may have small victories on it, but the road to victory is characterized by my obedience to what God said I need to do, despite everything else looking otherwise. I, I, I would have thought Joshua was crazy during that time. And in fact, we, we know that, that, that part of what Joshua was going to have to face, because at the end of Deuteronomy and the start of Joshua, God is speaking to Joshua, and he tells him to be strong and of good courage. And on a journey where you think you're going to possess your promise and yet nothing happens, you know what you're going to need? You're going to need courage, you're going to need boldness, you're going to need strength to keep following what God said to do, despite nothing happening. You see, the road to victory, we think is one, is, is you know, I, we don't really, we think it's the parade. We think, you know, in, in the old days when they would come in after battle and there'd be everyone, there'd be all kinds of uh, stuff going on and they'd walk up the steps and they'd get their medal and they'd build something. We think that's the road to victory. No, that's after the victory. But the road to victory doesn't look like that. It doesn't look like confetti falling. It doesn't look like that. It's characterized by my obedience despite everything. And I would like to encourage somebody today that you thought you were on the road to victory, but you've become discouraged because nothing's happening. The road to victory is not characterized by all those things we think of. No, it's characterized by me still doing what God said I need to do. And in the middle of nothing happening, being strong and of good courage in believing what God said to do. 
God spoke only to Joshua. Only to Joshua. Nobody else in that, in that march had confirmation directly from God. They were simply following their leader. They just did it because their leader told them to do it. Let me just say as well, on the, uh, uh, when, when, when Elijah sends the servant to look for the rain cloud, the rain cloud didn't show up on the first trip. He had to keep going back. He had to keep following the words of Elijah, just as the people had to keep following the words of Joshua. Let me just say, you'd better listen to the pastor's advice, even if he keeps telling you to do the same thing again. The words, just keep, that's not a cop-out. It might be the key to victory. God honors obedience to Him. In fact, He is bound to my obedience. That's why obedience is better than sacrifice. God is not bound to sacrifice. Read the Old Testament. How many times did He say, I'm sick of your sacrifices? But He's bound to obedience. If I obey His word, if I obey His command, He must respond. If that's not the case, if that's not the case, then how can I believe that when I obey the new birth experience, I'll be saved? If I, if I follow what He said to do, there is a result. If I follow Him, if I obey Him, there will be a result. How is my ultimate road to victory characterized? How is my road to heaven characterized? It's not characterized by confetti. It's not, no, it's characterized by obedience to the Word of God and what He's told me to do. That's how it's characterized. So despite what may be happening in my life, despite what may not be happening on this road, despite how the circumstances seem unchanged, I would challenge you this morning to keep following what God has told you to do about that promise. If God told you to pray, then you just need to keep praying. If He said to go, then you need to keep going. If He said to just believe, then you need to keep believing. As old timers would say it, victory is simply about keep, keep on keeping on. You just need to keep doing what God told you to do, despite what may be happening. And let me say, that's the road to victory. And it is the road to victory. It ends in victory. If you feel like you're on that road right now, let me remind you, it is the road to victory. There is victory at the end, despite how it may look right now. Ecclesiastes chapter 9 says, Whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with thy might. For there is no work, nor device, nor knowledge, nor wisdom in the grave, whither thou goest. I returned and saw under the sun that the race is not to the swift, nor the battle to the strong, neither yet bread to the wise, nor yet riches to men of understanding, nor yet favor to men of skill, but time and chance happeneth to them all. These two verses, he says, first of all, whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with thy might. Then he says, the race is not to the swift, the battle is not to the strong. No, we know that it is to the one who endures to the end. It's not about how fast you run. It's not about how strong you are. It's about can you endure to the end. It's about if find what God has told you to do and do it with all thy might. If he tells you to do something, then I do it with everything that I have. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 1. Wherefore seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us. And let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Sometimes the race just requires me to be patient. <laughs> I remember one time, I think I've told the story before, uh, we were in uh, PE and we were doing uh, athletic stuff, so in PE that seems kind of strange. 
And uh, we were, I think we were running the 800 meters. And uh, I had one friend who was, let's just say, a little non-athletic. Um, so he wasn't quite built for running. Well, he decided that in his own mind that he was going to win this race. And so um, we started out, and I had run distance races before. I mean, the rest of us there were like on the track team and stuff. Well, this guy, we start, and he just takes off. I mean, just, he's flying. I'm like, we're like running and looking at each other like, what is going on? Well, about 150 meters, <laughs> we caught up to him. He said, I thought if I could get really fast at the start, then I'd just stay enough ahead. No, that's not how it works. <laughs> There's such a thing as pace. Pacing yourself. And when on the road to victory, that's what it's about. It's about pacing yourself. Because you know what we want to do? The first time around the wall, we want to attack the wall. Man, we're ready. We leave church, we're ready, man. We're ready to attack the wall. But that's not what God said to do. I'm going to obey. Now's not the time. Second day, I'm still ready. No, now's not the time. But you know what? In God's time, when I obey Him, when I follow what He said to do, then on the seventh day, the seventh time, victory will come my way. The problem is, sometimes we don't have as clear a direction. We don't know if we're on the second time, the fifth time. The seventh day, the third time, we don't know where we are. We know that God spoke to us. We know that God's given us something. We know that He said my children would be saved, my spouse would be saved, this would happen, that would happen if I just do this. But we don't know where we are on that journey. Sometimes God doesn't give us the full end result. But my challenge to you today would be simply keep obeying. Keep obeying. Trust His Word. Trust what God said. Don't trust the situation. Don't trust the circumstances. Believe what God has said to you. The road to victory, again, is not characterized by all the, the pomp and the circumstances. But the road to victory is characterized by my obedience to Him. As I was looking over this, I just felt very specifically that that road, there's people on this road today. You, you weren't really sure what road you were on. <laughs> you weren't sure if you were in the wilderness. You weren't sure. You didn't even know if you are on a road anymore. <laughs> you thought you saw a trail and you realized, no. <laughs> I don't know what that is. But I would just like to tell you, if God has spoke to you and told you something, I would like to tell you that you're on the road to victory. You're on that road. Again, I know it, looks, it may look like a trail, it may look like nothing. You may be standing looking at the wall saying, if only there was just a crack. <laughs> that would be nice. If only there was just something that would crumble a little bit, I would have the strength. No, I, I challenge you to just keep obeying. I had the, the privilege uh, uh, Friday to, to be a part of something that CR did and got to hear some of their testimonies. And really, their testimonies characterize the road to victory. You know what to a person all of them say? Just get up and go a day at a time. I just, know, I just do what I know is right one day at a time. Really, that's no different than any of us. What does Paul say? He says, I die daily. He gets up and he says, today I'm going to do what God said I'm going to do. 
I know in the long run it looks like it might be a little bit goofy. I know it seems like if I look at the big plan marching around a wall to get victory, that, that just doesn't seem right. It doesn't seem right that I can just pray and something will happen. It doesn't seem right that I can just uh, do this and it will work out. But no, if God said it, then that's what I'm going to trust. And I'm going to have the courage and the boldness to keep believing and trust that He is leading me to victory. God is not leading me to destruction. He's not leading me on a wild goose chase. No, He's leading me towards the promise. He's leading me towards where He wants me to be. So I'm going to keep obeying. I'm going to keep waking up every day and obey what God said to do today. And that's what I'm going to do. And if the cracks don't appear, it doesn't matter. What does it say about the race in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 2? Looking to the author and finisher of our faith. There's a lot of things that would take our eyes off of the author and finisher of our faith. You know how I can get up every day and obey? I wake up and look at the author and finisher of my faith. But what do I like to do? (laughs) I don't like to do that. I like to wake up and check Facebook. I like to get up and, and check this. And I like to wake up and immediately let anxieties come my way. And think about all the stuff that happened yesterday and could happen today. And I don't know. That's what I like to do. But instead, I need to look unto the author and finisher of my faith. God's calling us to obedience to gain the victory. Whether it happens immediately, whether it happens over, the, over uh, an extended period of time, make no mistake that it can still be a road to victory. And my obedience is going to take me there. I want us to stand this morning. I want us to pray this morning. If you find yourself possibly on the road in the wilderness or facing that situation, perhaps you find yourself following God, believing for victory, and yet nothing seems to be happening, I want you to pray that the Lord would encourage you right now and give you fresh vision and fresh faith, that He's still with you, He hasn't left you, He hasn't forsaken you. Lord Jesus, we come before you this morning.